Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales, the sheep extension network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. G'day, it's Megan Rogers here from Sheep Connect New South Wales. I'm here at the property of Glen and Sharon Woods to the west of Parks and I've come to see their tropical pastures and have a chat about tropicals and where they fit in their mixed farming business. Hi Glenn, uh, thanks for having me come and visit you today. Just to, to get us started, can you just describe your property, its enterprises and what you do here? Hi Megan, we've got 1,016 hectares here. We're mixed farmers, so we, in normal times we're running around about 1,000 uh, merino or merino dooney cross ewes, up to about 50 breeding cows and about 800 uh, acres of uh, crops, you know, uh, wheat, uh, canola, oats, barley, um, you know, general mix with some grazing crops in there as well. And where are you running at the moment? Obviously, you've come out of a pretty severe and, um, you know, reasonably lengthy dry time and, and very, very harsh drought is how I would describe what's happened. I'm obviously not from very far away from here myself, and it's been very harsh. How, what, what sort of capacity are you running at the moment? So our capacity now is we, we have no, no cattle left on the place. Uh, we have now down to 550 breeding ewes and um, about 280 ewe weaners running around. So, yeah, really back on our numbers. Yeah, it certainly was a, a, a difficult period of time. And then it started raining. And, um, and I'm, I'm looking, we're standing here in a paddock of, of tall grass, which is about a metre tall, um, and it's, been, it's had some sheep come through it, and underneath it is an abundance of clover and medic. What, what are we actually looking at here, Glenn, and um, you know, how long has it been here, and, and, and what's it do for your enterprise? Yeah, so approximately 10 years ago, our land care group uh, wanted to explore subtropical grasses and whether they could fit in in our environment and in our farming systems. So we were lucky enough to get a grant uh, through Woolworths and they, they funded our project and our project uh, was, uh, there was about eight, eight members of our land gear group, um, so it approximately you know, 30 to 50 acres of, of broad acre trials of subtropical grasses uh, to get a, a really good idea of how they'd fit in, not just strip trials, like whole paddock trials to see how they would go. Uh, and predominantly the species were Premier Digit, Cattenborough uh, Rhodes grass, and... Bambatsy Panic? Bambatsy Panic, that's the other one. Um, and they've, the Premier Digit has, has eventually um, probably become dominant for a few reasons on the lighter soils 
So the soil types that, that are predominantly where you've got the tropical pastures on here at Cook's Miles, just describe those for us so that we can get a bit of an idea of, of what type of soil type you've, you've sowed these pastures into. So the soil types here are uh, a hard setting red soil, um, you know, small paddocks that um, certainly had a lot of, um, you know, overgrazing, um, degraded, um, never really had a lot of success sowing loosen in here. They were usually sown to a to a grazing crop and grazed out pretty hard. So they weren't ideal paddocks, a lot of, a lot of stone and rock underneath. Um, so we decided to sow these pretty much in our worst paddock to really give them a good a good test out and yeah it's been uh, highly successful and the stand that we're in today which as i said is a metre tall and and we've we've parked the vehicle out here and and i know sharon had said to me that um that you could lose a motorbike in here and i can see exactly what she means now how old is this stand and and how did you go about establishing this one yeah so this stand is is the original stand from the trial it had probably two to three years of, of cropping prior to clean out all the summer weeds. So that was important to, to have sprayed fallows for two to three years to clean out all the summer weeds. Uh, and then the uh, following winter, we sowed a, a grazing oat, oats crop and we, we grazed and sprayed it out prior to establishing the subtropicals in December. And we dry sowed those in December. And then they, I think they germinated in uh, early January on a storm. And so, so that's in 2010. So that's a 10-year-old stand of of um, subtropical grasses with some some clovers that are that are continuing in there. And and you, you you told me that you you went back in after you'd sown the the grasses with the clover. How how does that sort of ordinarily work? Is that is that a common practice around the district? Uh, it. It's a common practice for subtropical grasses to sow the subtropical grasses and then the following winter to either broadcast or drop or sow um, your legumes into it. Um, We have tried it both ways, establishing uh, legumes prior to the uh, subtropical grasses, but uh, we perhaps we found the the, um, legumes we're able to outcompete the grasses and so it's all about the timing and when each each species really wants to do its thing so obviously you've got the subtropicals which are, are going to be growing in the warmer uh, season and then you've got got your clovers and your medics which all will come up in the in the cooler season and and all like supplement that that pasture yeah that that was our original aim was to have something growing 12 months of the year as much as we could and to maintain, you know, 100% ground cover through the year as well. Those were the two aims that the Landcare Group was was striving to get. And, uh, yeah, this paddock's, um, I think we've had approximately 240 millimetres for the year. And uh, this paddock has just been grazed. It's seven, seven hectares approximately. And it's had 880 ewes in it for six days. And there is still more than 100% ground cover in here. Um, there's still a lot of clover left. Uh, they've eaten most of the leaf off the subtropical grasses, off the premier digit. 
uh, left the seed heads, which is which that's okay, um, but left a lot of clover and medic behind too. Um, the very few weeds once it establishes, very few weeds tend to establish um, in these pastures. Uh, and the other thing we notice is the clover and medics they're trying to establish from if there's enough rain they're trying to establish from january on um so they get going really early if they can uh which i don't see that anywhere else on our farm no other um pastures um do the clovers and medics establish so quickly so that's a bit of a microclimate so it's obviously retaining a bit of moisture and the soil is quite possibly a bit cooler uh, to allow you to get that early establishment of those species that would normally come up in the autumn. Do you think that's what's going on? Yeah, that's definitely what's going on. They always establish, you know, coming out, out the side of the butts of the of the premier digit. It's, it's definitely the leaf litter on the ground that's enabling them to do it. Well, it's certainly a spectacular sight as as you come in, and and I I wonder, like, did you really think it was going to come back like this well after the the pounding that it's had over the last couple of years of of a pretty significant drought? Yeah, we we weren't a hundred percent sure, but the the butts were there, and any little shower they would send up a little green leaf or a few green leaves um, on, on any rainfall, so that we knew they were still there. Uh, I guess it was just if we lost a percentage of the plant population, and I, I think we've. It seems to have performed much better than the our loosened pastures. We, we've lost loosened pastures for sure, um, a percentage of the plants. And Glenn, you said that you had the rams in here for a period of time, so seven hectares. Just run me through how how long the rams were in here. So it was obviously the designated ram paddock, and and just behind us there's a, a self feeder that they've obviously availed themselves to. Just run me through a little bit about how, what sort of a regime you you gave the the rams in, in this particular paddock. Well, we just we just needed somewhere to put the rams where they they had a bit of ground cover and um, we could feed them. So we we thought well this is the paddock that's that hadn't been grazed for a little while had a bit of ground cover left so they they probably spent the best part of six to eight months uh in this paddock and they they did it did get down less ground cover than i wanted uh but it was they just it was basically the only place we wanted them to go so we had to keep them away from the ewes and have them handy though to be able to to feed them regularly but it doesn't really like it hasn't wrecked this pasture like the the pastures come back and it's as i said it's quite a spectacular sight and um so the fact that you had those rams in there for six months um with a self-feeder hasn't you know destroyed what's what was remaining here no it's it, it seems to be a pretty hardy resilient plant it's pretty amazing really I guess a couple of questions that I've I've got about what sort of livestock do all classes of livestock do well on this type of pasture? Uh, we only we don't have a great deal of it yet. Um, it is a little bit tricky to to establish, and we were we are working to establish a lot more of it. So we have been rotationally grazing it, you know, with high stocking numbers for short periods. You know, we you hear a little bit about the, you know, it goes rank or it's 
it's not the best feed. Well, you know, we we've had sheep and cattle on it at different times and it, it they eat it and they seem to enjoy it i think they like the variety of it it is a grass so they do and, and just looking here now they have preferentially grazed the grass over the clover and medic so they've left a lot more clover and medic on the ground and they have preferentially grazed all the leaves well most of the leaves off the off the premier digit yeah it's quite amazing to to have a look here um have a look on our website We'll have put some um, some pickies up there or on our Facebook page as well. Um, Glenn, I guess just in, in finishing up, I, I really wanted to just find out um, what's your ultimate mix and, and how would you go about establishing the ultimate mix, uh, you know, once, you know, seasonal conditions allow? Uh, yeah, probably our ultimate mix um, is Premier Digit is still the the main variety that you would always include at 80 odd percent in your mix of seeds. Cattenborough Roads has a place early on you know it helps to fill in any gaps early on and then it as the premier digit gets going it, it probably declines a li- quite a lot. Possibly on our heavier soils we'll try some uh, more panics. Uh, Gatton Panic looks to show great promise uh, it is a very, very leafy plant, a uh, very big plant. Um, the the small trial that we've had it in, it, it seems to persist. Um, I, I just can't comment on its um, protein levels of the leaf, but visually it looks very good and very promising. And ha- has anybody got any other varieties in this district on some different type of country? Like obviously you've got some trials. Has anybody sowed any in in great sort of, you know, in a paddock type of situation um, on some heavier country? Yeah, we do have another m- member who has some very heavy country. He has, his his pasture I think is is predominantly Bambatsi panic. Uh, and, and it does very well also on that heavier soils, heavy clay soils. What? Um, how long does the feed last? And 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 you know, like what sort of seasonality do you get from from this pasture? You've obviously got a a warm season um, pasture growing, and you've got a cool season pasture. What sort of um, seasonality do you get? And what sort of varieties fit in well? Uh, well, it, it's it's all rain dependent, of course, but uh, it, it's it's quite possible to have. Uh, two or three grazings off the subtropicals over a summer if if you get the the summer rainfall uh, and then coming into winter uh, depending on you know the the, the autumn break uh, how well the the clovers establish uh, and we always try and uh, choose our varieties of clover and medics uh, to be the faster maturing varieties so they don't take too much away from the grass uh, leading into summer and they they have the ability to produce plenty of seed to, to self-regenerate. So it's really just doing its own thing. So you haven't had to, to come back and, and spend much time renovating this stand once you got it established? No, we we have a couple of stands. This stand we did actually over-sow after... I think it was two years just to thicken it up, but we have other stands that we haven't done that and there's there's little difference between the two. My advice would be to sow them in paddocks that you hate sowing in terms of rocks and ugly shapes because uh, this stand's 10 years old and we have no thoughts of uh, either renovating it or, or 
or spraying it out and and going back to crop because it's just so productive and and useful and and so low maintenance. And it's not far from the house and the house yard, so I'm sure it provides a bit of shelter f- during the um, the hot summers when you've got some warm westerlies. Yes, it does. That was yeah the other reason we we have it on the western side of a house. It does give us a little bit of protection from the hot summers. Glenn, I really appreciate you taking the time to catch up with me today uh, for a chat about this because it's it's certainly a good news story and we've seen a lot in social media with different farmers commenting on how well the subtropicals have come back and, and you know, we, we're in what was traditionally um, considered an unsuitable area until pretty much the, the Cooks Miles Landcare Group trailblazed and um, were really sort of at the forefront of, of bringing these species into this district, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So thanks again for, for catching up with me and we'll, um, yeah, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you, Megan. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.